Hello, and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Roos, founder and CEO of the Digital Banking Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. In a digital world, consumers want experiences to be delivered to them on a highly personalized and contextual basis. From the way we search to the way we shop, viewing content or doing banking, consumers expect organizations to know them, look out for them, and reward them. This is how value is exchanged in an ecosystem where data is plentiful and privacy is valued. In research done by the Digital Banking Report, financial institutions stated that they are delivering personalization to their customers, members, and clients. Unfortunately, the majority of the time, organizations are only delivering basic personalization and are focused more on product sales than on helping the consumer manage their finances or their daily life. In other words, there's a massive personalization gap. On today's podcast, we'll discuss the importance and process of delivering hyper-personalized experiences across all channels as part of digital transformation process. We will also discuss the importance of creating personalized engagement that requires a minimum amount of effort from the consumer to make it happen. I am joined today by Jody Baguette, President of the Americas for award-winning financial services personalization agency, Personetics. Jody's an industry veteran, having previously been a partner at McKinsey & Company and also working at U.S. Bank, Wells Fargo, and Providian. Personetics works with some of the largest financial institutions worldwide using AI, predictive analytics, machine learning, and other technologies to engage and serve consumers. So welcome to the show, Jody. As I mentioned to you in the exchange before our call today, I've been following Personetics for quite some time now. Uh, your solutions have been featured in the financial brand and the digital bank report, and your company continues to be at the forefront of the potential of using data, AI, and digital technologies to deliver hyper-personalized experiences for consumers. In fact, Personex has even been mentioned in a previous Banking Transform podcast, as it were, when we interviewed Sophie Heller from BNP Paribas, who I guess partnered with uh, Personex on a solution for her company as well. So to begin today's show, I'd like to find out how do you view the current state of personalizations, not only in banking, but in business as general? So the current state of personalization, Jim, I think we're in very early stages of maturation in this process. In some cases, we've seen personalization as a decoy for selling more things to consumers. And I think that's a, this is a trap to be aware of. It shouldn't be code for just selling more stuff. It should really focus on helping customers better manage their day-to-day -day banking and help them achieve their goals. So personalization is much more about helping customers become aware of what's important to them and what action to take. With that in mind, you know, I read a recent Forrester study that I think is actually offered through your company's website that they actually believe that personalization in banking is way too narrowly applied. It really lacks customer value. It creates some awkward interactions and normally um, lacks the understanding of a customer's context, which I think is very important. They, they go on to say that while there are many efforts to, so to speak, know the customer, most efforts, as you mentioned, are more focused on just selling more shit. But overall, 
when you look at this, what damage does that do to the customer relationship if really the consumer feels that the personalization the bank says it has or credit union or any organization says they have is really pretty easily perceived as being out for the company's good rather than the consumer's? Right. And that's usually pretty transparent for customers to see through as well when personalization is essentially a set of offers for a customer. We know that customers have much broader needs and expectations from their banks in terms of helping them manage their their day-to-day banking. So we believe that personalization should really be founded on a deep understanding of the customer's individual behaviors and their financial transactions. And then using that to identify what kind of insight and advice should I give to this customer at this point in time? So they perceive it to be improving their day-to-day banking, the way they manage their day-to-day banking. And that goes far beyond offers. It covers a gamut of different kinds of interactions that are really useful for customers. Things around monitoring their transactions, helping them understand when they may have cash flow issues, helping them when they can better save. So a subset of those do lend themselves to, when we talk about advice, you can think about advice as actions and offers, but only a subset lend themselves to that. And a broader personalization strategy should really be based on a foundation of a deep understanding of the customer's financial transactions and their cash flow behavior. So really what you're saying is the consumer now, they don't see personalization as simply getting their address right in the direct mail piece or referencing the fact that they have a a retirement plan. You're really looking at this as a much deeper understanding from the consumer's basis that they say, geez, you really do know me and you're actually working on my behalf, correct? Yeah, yeah. In fact, you know, in some ways, the more things change, the more they stay the same as well. So there's been so many changes around how customers interact. You know, 40% of customers are now active in mobile on a monthly basis and a much higher number in, in terms of millennials as well. We see growing percentage of sales that are done through the digital channels. But we believe that it does come back to some of the fundamentals, some of the most salient expectations that customers have, which is simply to know me, to value me, and to inform me or advise me. While seemingly rather innocuous, it's very challenging to execute on these very fundamental expectations that customers have. Now, when you talk about expectations, have you seen at Personetics any difference between what's expected by, say, an older versus a younger customer or a, a person with maybe higher income than lower income? Or are the expectations pretty generalized in overall? So we've studied this. We've been lucky enough to have a global base of over 60 million end consumers on the platform so we can recognize some of the data and the way that customers are embracing interactions or insights. And what we see, Jim, is that customers of all segments value insights, but the types of insights they receive are, of course, very different based on their needs because they naturally need to be personalized. So all customers appreciate it when banks help anticipate issues for them. But customers that have difficulty saving, for instance, let's say the uh, customers that are living more paycheck to paycheck or have difficulty saving, they really appreciate the nudges around improving their savings behavior or the warnings around when you may have a pending low balance issue. 
And then customers on the more affluent spectrum, they gravitate more towards insights that help them better optimize their savings or investment or saving for something important, for instance, like a goal-based solution where they can accomplish a job or a goal that they have. So in summary, customers appreciate insights and advice, but they embrace different kinds of insights based on where they fall in the spectrum of their financial ability. Well, it's funny because I mentioned to you that I have a 15-year relationship with a very large financial institution that really doesn't even have branches where I am now. And I have a uh, shorter-term small business relationship with a a more local bank. And what frustrates me, and, and I don't think I'm that you know, yes, I came out of the banking industry, but even though I know what's possible, I'm not too sure if consumers overall don't understand on behalf of themselves what's possible. And I, it gets frustrating because I go, you know, my bank, I, I mentioned to you that my financial institution said, tell us the level of balances that you'd like to be notified that your balances are low. And I do the exploding head motion and I go, geez, <laughs> you, you should know that better than me. Because it's not the same every day. My minimum balance that I want on the first of the month is a whole lot different than what I want it to be on the 22nd of the month. And, and oh, by the way, you know when I pay my mortgage. You know when I get inflows. You know at what rate I get inflows. You know the balance of my account. Why are you asking me something that what I'll call basic AI should be able to determine for me? And, you know, in the same sense, I signed up for a uh, an automated savings plan that is not in my financial institution, it's with a fintech, that takes out money, not just rounds it up, but it also takes out money based on the availability of funds over and above a normal level. Now, they notify me when it's done, but I'm never surprised. And I look at that as being the, what I'll call the old-fashioned 401k when I worked in the corporate world where, you know, I didn't even know it was missing because I never got it. Well, in some cases today, I may know I get it, but if you take it out before because you know that I have more in my account than normal, what's amazing, this savings plan, over the last 18 months, I have $12,000 in this, in this account, this investment services account. These are the types of services I want my bank to offer. This is a kind of insight and what I used to call the GPS of financial services. I don't want to be told what's happened in my rearview mirror. I want you to predict what I need, predict what I'm going to do, predict in some cases what looks like might be wrong. And we even talked about the fact that, you know, I want to be notified of my subscriptions that I may not be as aware of how many things are being taken out each month because of things I signed up for in the past I don't realize is happening. It Now, it's nickel and diming, but those add up. And I think from what you're saying, this is the kind of insights that Personetics is trying to provide your financial institutions for their customers is actually – going deeper into the insight, using real advanced learning and analytics to say, it's more than just targeting for the next sale. It's really, geez, how can you make my life easier, correct? I think you said it so well, Jim. In fact, you sound like a real kind of devotee around where we believe the banks should leverage their strength. Their most valuable asset is customer data. That's what will help banks deepen relationships, win organic growth. And in fact, fend off competition that might try to seize on opportunities where, let's say, there's a more opaque process or the experience isn't as good. But if banks really leverage financial data and a deep understanding of customers in a way that you and you articulated numerous examples of that, those are the things that we feel that 
customers will see a market difference in terms of my bank is looking out for me. And that's what we feel is going to be the difference uh, in terms of those the banks that really win in the future as well. Yeah, so what are some of the failures that you've seen in the financial services industry that your company is trying to address? What are some of the stumbling blocks that organizations have? So in regards to personalization, let's as opposed to calling it failures, let, let's call it rather pedestrian interactions with customers that are disguised as personalization. And you mentioned a few. For instance, I think it's fine to wish customers happy birthday, but don't be fooled into thinking that customers perceive that you really know them as a result of that. Another colleague tells me of an experience where, since he travels globally often, every time he gets back from an international trip, he gets the same unsecured line offer. So these are kind of simple rules-based approaches. They may work incrementally, but it doesn't really show that you know your customers. And we don't believe that it has a material impact on the way customers engage and certainly not their level of satisfaction or the depth and quality of the relationship. Coming back to what we talked about earlier, I think we're very in the early stages of the maturation around data-driven personalization. But cycle times in the industry are compressing and the change will happen much more quickly than most anticipate. Now, you work with firms of all different sizes, and you don't look at every opportunity out there and say, oh, this is a sales opportunity. You, you really look at bringing value to the equation. Is there a challenge in delivering contextual insights on a scale basis? Absolutely. And I'll underscore scale and add breadth to it as well. So many banks are actually in the process of creating their own insights, and some are quite effective. The challenge is it takes a long time to develop insights at scale. And then furthermore, orchestrate the insights based on their priority for that individual customer. What we've seen in terms of uh, the research, it shows that to achieve high levels of engagement and action, you need to have both a breadth of insights across a number of different categories and also scale of insights. And then furthermore, it's also vital to have, let's say a self-learning machine learning algorithm that learns what's important for that and valued for that individual customer. So now you're tailoring insights based on their situation and what they've been responding to. So you can see how something seemingly, let's say relatively simple saying, can I develop a few insights, turns into a much more complex undertaking when you address the scale, the breadth, and the orchestration of insights and advice which are the things that really drive the business impact that banks desire. Well, it's interesting. You talk about the scale and the data that's required and all that. And one of the challenges, when we did the research for, on personalization for the digital bank report, we found that many organizations, when we asked them, what is the challenge? They invariably said um, one of them was that data is located in different silos among the organization. And, and what was interesting is, Last year at the Financial Brand Forum, I saw numerous organizations really reaching out to each other to try to say, how can we better solve the issues that are in the financial services industry around data? How can we maybe work with old technology, old back office systems, old database silos to still bring modern solutions? What have you done at Personetics to provide that type of capability when you have an organization – 
if you can do it, if you have an organization that, that really has a number of silos as well as let, let's call it old technology in the back office. Yeah, it's funny. It reminds me of that comment where 90% of the people think they're better than average, right, or better looking than average. It's the opposite, actually, when it comes to data. So the common refrain we hear is that 90% of the banks think their data is worse than average. So this is actually, it's a significant issue in terms of data quality, data silos, lack of analytics talent. That's the common refrain that we hear. However, to the industry's credit, the situation has really much improved over the last few years. You know, many banks have created data lakes, and there's solutions available to make it much easier to access and retrieve data as well. But our premise, Jim, is that you don't need a complete and a massive data transformation effort to deliver business value. Leverage the data and the environment that you have today to start delivering effective use cases and business impact. Then prioritize the data assets moving forward based on what will deliver further value, and then address the data transformation and the business use cases in parallel. We think this is the most effective way to continue to evolve the efficacy of the data environment while delivering the kind of business momentum and impact and customer value that you really need to to keep the CFO happy. So with that in mind, when you're working with organizations and if you're working on the other side of the desk as a financial institution, what have you seen to be some really good applications of data that go what I call beyond the basics with consumers that your clients have really liked that you can deliver? So I think that many customers are, you know, we talked about the expectations of knowing me. And as, as we said before, it's all based on a foundational understanding of customer data. So some of the more, let's say, obvious opportunities are for banks to recognize when there's an issue around the customer account. So for instance, if they've had a duplicate transaction charge with a merchant that they typically don't have a duplicate transaction charge with, onboarding insights to help customers better manage and utilize their account today, and then evolving to, let's say, more sophisticated approaches in terms of understanding cash flows well enough to identify how much a customer can save at any given point in time. Because you have a deep understanding of not just their historical data and their current situation, but even their scheduled, their recurring activity, and their patterned activity. And then one of the insights that we've seen particularly useful and embraced by customers is helping them avoid penalty fees. So banks have the data to help customers better anticipate when they may have low balance issue or negative balance issue. And we strongly believe that the value that is generated in terms of the customer satisfaction and the ability to offer alternative solutions far outweighs the penalty fees that banks may get as a result of the customer going negative. So this is a, uh, it's a continuum, but it's important to be able to deliver the more common or simple insights, which customers highly value, all the way to the more sophisticated ones, which are really based on, let's say, more sophisticated modeling, but can have an even more material impact in terms of how effective customers are in managing their finances. So what do you see as the role or the need for using what I call outside data, maybe social media information, uh, maybe uh, credit bureau information, anything from the outside that can be brought in. How important is that type of data as you look at 
delivering a really good customer solution for a financial institution? Yes. You know, many banks do ask us about that and are looking at that as well. You know, with the marketing ecosystem that's available today, we see a lot of banks, of course, optimizing for how customers are interacting with the website or the mobile app in terms of what kinds of solutions are they looking for and then tailoring the experience appropriately. Our premise, though, Jim, is that there's so much value just in the data the bank has today in terms of the transaction activity, the financial transaction activity. In particular, if you have the core transaction account, it is so revealing in terms of the customer's day-to-day banking, not just with the accounts that they have with you today, but you can see their mortgage expenses, their other kinds of patterned activity. So there's tremendous value in just focusing on initially, as part of an initial phase, on the data that the bank has available within its own premises. But a future evolution here, we feel it will be really valuable to incorporate selective external data. You mentioned one, having a view of the customer's credit score and credit bureau data can be another really useful and attractive input and be consumed as part of delivering a valuable insight to a customer. Having the ability to connect insights, of course, with your offer engine is, we believe, really critical because it'll, it'll change the way that banks deliver offers and interact with consumers. You know, intuitively, it makes sense. And also empirically, what we see is higher conversion rates when solutions and offers are presented within the context of an insight. So start with the data that you have today, but look selectively at some of these additional data inputs starting with really valuable things like bureau data, of course, offer data, connecting it with the behavioral and browsing data. And there's potentially future use cases around other other information as well. But I'd start with the ones where there's proven value and there's so much more, it's such fertile ground right now that it's worth investing almost all your efforts to do that really well. It's kind of interesting to get back to um, when in doubt, at least start the process, just do it. And then uh, take the easy victories, the low-hanging fruit, as it were, Yeah. because there's such an upside in the financial services industry, given the fact that we don't do it very well. I've had Don Peppers, who wrote the book One to One Future, on the show, and that book is uh, 25 years old. It was talking about building customized solutions and customized communications around each individual customer. And you go, geez, I'm sorry, that was the beginning of my marketing career. And I was in the direct marketing, direct mail business for a long time. And we don't even get that right very often. And the problem is, when you look at trust and the importance of trust, this is one of the areas that you can either succeed or fail on the trust factor based on how well you personalize communication or how poorly you do that, isn't it? Yeah. You know, what's foundational in a lot of this is the kind of trust that you are, that you're developing with customers. And as you well know, banks are highly trusted on the dimensions of safety and service and have invested heavily around improving the experience. What we're talking about now is taking it to a different level, which is helping customers anticipate what some of their needs are, thereby building higher engagement, higher satisfaction, higher levels of trust. And that comes with a deeper understanding of customers and showing them that you are acting on their behalf. And that trust opens up the opportunity to create 
higher adoption when you do deliver advice or offers to the customers because they know it's operating in their behalf. So the elephant in the room, and it comes up in every conversation I have around personalization and data and AI, is the other challenge that we found when we did studies for the Digital Bank Report around personalization. That was all around privacy. I'm sure that every institution you work with, at some point in the conversation, they go, yeah, but is a customer going to get freaked out that we know this much about them? Mm. How do you see what I'll call the personalization paradox? On one hand, the customer wants the ultimate level of personalization. On the other hand, they're very cautious of their privacy. How do you balance that? Yeah, it's really important to consider. And this is also a very common discussion that we have with banks. I think there's three things to address here. Two of them are associated with the customer. One is associated with the regulatory environment. So the first premise is that customers are willing to part with their data or have you leverage their data if there is a value exchange. If they perceive that they're getting value from how you're leveraging that data, then there is a higher degree of appreciation, of satisfaction. So that's one dimension. The second dimension is that if you are learning about what customers are enjoying, what they're embracing, what they're appreciating, and then you are evolving to address that, then that further reinforces that you're leveraging the customer data on their behalf. The third dimension is around the regulatory environment. As you know, Jim, we're a global company. So the privacy regulations in Europe and UK are, in fact, more strict with GDPR and the associated implications of that. But it's coming to the U.S. as well, starting in California with the Consumer Confidentiality and Privacy Act of California. And so the third aspect is providing the mechanics to be able to deliver on this. So offering customers the right to be forgotten, giving them the ability to engage or not engage, or allowing them to discontinue insights or discontinue a program. Those are the three elements, I think, to address, two associated with customer value and perception, and one to be ready for the regulations and, frankly, be out ahead as opposed to being told what to do. Well, and I, I tell organizations that the privacy regulations are actually an opportunity for financial institutions because if you look at them the way they're written, it's when you don't provide me value, I'm going to raise my hand and say, I want to disengage. The way to keep consumers engaged is to provide them a value. And I use the example of Amazon all the time going, you know, who would have thought that even after all big organizations offered free shipping and even after Amazon increased the cost of Amazon Prime, virtually 80 percent of the marketplace is signed up for Amazon Prime at $120 a year for the right to shop. And I, I don't think there's any better example in a digital economy and a digital ecosystem than Amazon to say the value of a digital relationship in today's economy is the ability to use data to make my life easier, but more importantly, to show me subtly or very overtly that you know me, that you're going to look out for me, and you're going to reward me. And I, I, I think, you know, you said it very well where you, you just say, you know, the way to avoid the sheriff is to do it right the first time. And at least do the basics right because the bar is set pretty low. You know, research we've done say the consumers don't have a problem with sharing their data. But as you said, as long as value is transferred, 
and you lose that right pretty quickly, especially in today's world, and you're losing trust. I mean, I've told people in the past that Amazon may be more likely to get the ability as a pass if they have a data breach than my bank will because they've shown me that, you know, they do a lot with the data they have. So, you know, if you were to look in a crystal ball and talk about the future of personalization in financial services or not financial services, what do you see as the frontier that we really haven't even embraced or gone to yet as far as the heightened possibilities of personalization? So we'll stick with banking and financial services since we have deep expertise there. But we do have a strong point of view. And what's exciting is we talk about insights, personalized insights, and how innovative it is and how fertile it is in terms of the opportunity to engage customers in a different way. But we believe that this will become table stakes. And we think it'll happen very quickly. So my prediction, Jim, is by the end of 2022, so two and a half years from now, leading banks will have delivered the solution. Others will follow, and customers will expect it from their banks. And this is banks of all sizes. Customers will expect basic insights on improving their, the way they manage their day-to-day banking across the different kinds of categories that we mentioned. And that will become table stakes and status quo. So to differentiate, we feel that banks really need to climb, let's say, the value hierarchy and focus on more prescriptive and proactive advice as we said, kind of connecting with their offer engine. So insights and offers are delivered more seamlessly. That's one. The second trend that we see is delivering these curated insights and advice to the assisted channel. We still see untapped power in terms of leveraging the strength of the digital channel and the assisted or the banker channel, connecting the the interaction points that customers have and the moments of truth they have, which is mostly on the digital channel, with the empathy and guidance that can be delivered uniquely through the banker channel and bringing these insights and advice in a curated way to the banker channel. So that's the second. And then the third is the growing trend and acceptance around this aspect of what we call automated finance. We call it self-driving finance. But knowing customers so well and having the strength in brand and the trust in the algorithm so that you can save, invest, or pay down debt on their behalf. And you gave an example of this earlier. We're seeing banks do this today, starting with savings. Soon we will see banks doing it with savings plus investing. And we think this is a really important trajectory and a trend that we're seeing, and I think it'll accelerate, which is acting on behalf of your customers to save investor pay down debt. You know, essentially, as a wrap-up, you really do hit a major point, which says sometimes the value proposition is going to initially look like it's a financial negative for the financial institution. But overall, the consumer is going to see through it, and you'll probably surprise and delight them to say, wait, you helped me avoid a fee, or you helped me lower the cost of funds, or you, you maybe increase the value of the savings account proactively and told me there's an opportunity to do better. My relationship will grow based on that type of interaction and really in a digital world that I can switch with a touch of a finger. That's of utmost importance. Jody, I want to thank you for your participation today. Um, As I said, I'm a big fan of personetics and what you've been trying to achieve. I think 
you've made great headways in the marketplace. And, you know, I really appreciate you taking some time today to talk about really the importance of personalization as it relates to the digital transformation journey that financial institutions and actually all organizations are being charged with right now. So, again, I appreciate you being on the show today. Jim, it was a real pleasure, and uh, I appreciate you being a real enthusiast as well. Thank you very much. Have a great day. So I just got off the phone with Jody Baggett from Personetics, and some of my takeaways today, and I think they're pretty important, is number one, most financial institutions are not doing anywhere near the amount of personalization we need to do and what the consumer expects us to do. Jody brought up a lot of examples of how easy it can be to take data that's currently available and use it for a better customer experience. A customer experience that the consumer is expecting, not just based on what other organizations in the marketplace are offering, but even based on what better financial institutions or bigger or different financial institutions are offering. So that's number one. Number two, we've got to avoid the excuses of not having data in all in one place or not having it where we're getting concerned about privacy regulations. I think it's important to realize that these are excuses. They are rational thoughts around things that are difficult, but a partner like Personetics or any firm that can help you move the needle on personalization, the upside is much greater than the downside and that we need to embrace that and really move it forward. And I think number three, the ability to do deeper and better levels of personalization, being able to look out for the consumer, being able to help them save money or increase their savings rate, these are all going to be benefits that we can provide the consumer that the consumer is going to end up rewarding us with more business. It was a great show. I really enjoyed it today. Thanks for listening to Banking Transformed. Rate is a top 10 banking podcast. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. And more importantly, please don't forget to give our show a five-star rating. While it only will take a minute, these ratings are very important as we try to expand the distribution of Banking Transformed to more potential listeners. Also, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and check out our research that we are doing on digital transformation, retail banking innovation, the digital customer experience, and financial marketing for the Digital Banking Report. Finally, if you haven't already done so, be sure to register for the financial brand form being held from April 27th to 29th at the Aria Hotel in Las Vegas. Join me and more than 2,500 of your favorite bank and credit union executives to gain valuable insights from the likes of Seth Godin, Martha Stewart, Steve Young and Jerry Rice, Brett King, Omar Johnson, and dozens of other leaders who will share their perspectives during this amazing star-studded event. And be sure to arrive early to catch a private performance by Jay Leno on Sunday night. Go to forum2020.com and register today. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Leah Lombrake, and audio engineers, Sean Rule Hoffman and Eric Coltnow. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, have a great week. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. 
We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change Podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.